Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an Arizona Cardinal. You know, uh, I've done nothing but, you know, give my all to, to, the, to the Cardinals. I uh, would continue to do that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not really too worried about What's my future as a Cardinal. scrubbing of the Instagram account on purpose? Or that, how that happen? No, that was, that was, like I said, that was, that was if, if you're a kid my age, you know, like, you're used to, like, people take off all that. Like, that's just a thing. And, uh, Honestly, like I said, there, there was I took everything off besides one picture, so it wasn't it had nothing to do with the Cardinals um, or anything like that. Kyler Murray finally breaking his silence yesterday. Had nothing to do with the Cardinals, and I removed everything related to the Cardinals from my social media page. That's what kids my age do. Peter, kids that age use social media to send messages. And I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, and he's very reticent. He's very shy. He's not wired to be out there. I'm sure he was extremely uncomfortable having the microphones in his face. But what's he going to say in that spot? I'm upset that they won't give me the contract that I want. I'm upset because they're being cheap, that they don't value me. I'm upset that somebody was leaking to Chris Mortensen of ESPN negative assessments of my character that I'm immature, that I'm selfish, that I'm a finger pointer, that I'm upset by how this has gone, and if it doesn't change, I'm going to want to be one of these guys who is playing somewhere else. He's not going to say any of that. You can't say any of that publicly. He said what he had to say. He's done what he's had to do. And I know enough about what's going on behind the scenes. This isn't getting any better. And all this stuff we're seeing with Russell Wilson getting traded, Devontae Adams getting traded, Tyreek Hill getting traded, the NFL being turned into the NBA because of the Rams' mentality. It's not going to make Kyler Murray less inclined to try to get out of Arizona if they're not going to give him the contract he wants, period. And, you know, Mike, what you say about this is not getting better, it isn't getting better. And, you know... As I watched free agency happen, 
particularly with Chandler Jones, Christian Kirk. Uh, you know, the Cardinals basically did business with a couple of veteran players on offense, right? With James Conner and with Zach Ertz that um, I would say are, those are good signings to have. But the one thing the Cardinals really don't do very often is reach, and they really, I mean, they did it with DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. But the one thing they don't do very often is step out there and spend a lot of money specifically on the guys who they have basically developed, you know, drafted and developed. Because, and that is what, in my opinion, you know, and Chandler Jones is not a draft and develop guy, but he's a great example of a lot of the guys that the Cardinals haven't signed, which is that, you get a guy on your team, you get a guy in your organization, and he achieves. And then when he's got to be paid at or near the top of the market, he goes away. And so that is the kind of thing that I believe that guys like Kyler Murray, at some point, you get a little bit tired of seeing. So we'll see how it how it plays out. But my feeling is that and I said this, Mike, I talked about it on the show the last time we talked about Kyler Murray. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to play football this year for $5.5 million, which is what he's owed on his contract in year three. I don't think it's going to happen. I might be wrong. Funny things happen when you get close to a deadline and you have to either fish or cut bait. I get it. But as of right now, I think there would be I, I I don't think he's going to play on that contract this year. I think it starts with the offseason program, and he won't be there. He just won't be there. And it will continue, and we'll focus on the mandatory minicamp, and it's a $100,000 fine if you're under contract and you stay away from it, and he won't be there. And then it continues right up until training camp. Will he show up? And And, look, people will say he's got a contract. He needs to show up. Well, there's two contracts, his contract with the team and the player's contract with the league and that broader CBA gives a player the right to withhold services in an effort to apply leverage. And that's what this is all about. And Peter, I think it's a very dangerous practice for teams to not reward their homegrown talent because it sends a horrible message to the guys in the locker room, the young guys, you're never going to get what you are currently earning showing up and busting your ass every day from us. You're doing all this as an audition for someone else. And finally, I'm always reminded when we talk about the Cardinals and the possibility that they are extremely careful with money. I think back to a story that your former SI colleague, Mike Silver, posted years ago about how cheap the Cardinals were at the time. Now, Michael Bidwell wasn't fully in charge at the time. He was involved, but he wasn't fully in charge. Robert Griffith, the former safety, signs a contract. The team deducted from his signing bonus check, the cost of the FedEx envelope that was used to send the check to Robert Griffith. And the other fact that Silver had in his story, on the player's day off, they padlocked the cooler with Gatorade in it. So if the players happened to be in the building, they didn't get any Gatorade for free. That's, that's being extremely careful with money, Peter. 
I like the way you word that. I mean, are you saying that they are the Bengals of the NFC? Is that what you're they saying, They used Mr. to be. Florio? Well, they, 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 <laughs> they are, they're not as bad as they used to be, but you hit the nail on the head. If they're letting all these veteran players go, these guys who have earned another contract with them, if they're not getting them signed, there's only one way to look at it. And with the quarterback market right now, the spread that exists between Aaron Rodgers at the top and Matt Ryan at number 10, from $61.9 million per year, new money average, to 30. Where do these guys land? I think that's how the problems got started between Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They couldn't agree on where he lands between 30 and 45. It was easier last year. It was just 30 and 45. Where does he land? Where does Kyler Murray land? And I think Eric Burkhart has visions of Murray being near the top. And the Cardinals would say... Yeah, but, you know, he's tailed off down the stretch each of the last two seasons. Yeah, he's getting banged up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And all it takes is an F them picks team to show up and say, we'll take him. We'll give you a bunch of draft picks for him, and we'll pay him what he wants. That's that's the one I've been watching. That's the one I've been waiting for. Kyler Murray to the Falcons. I've been waiting for that one, and all these other trades are happening. So I still think it could happen, Peter. could happen today. Kyler, I'm, all these other would, trades is only going to make it more likely, not less likely to happen. I wouldn't, you know what, Mike? I wouldn't be shocked. And I believe that this is a, a very, very, um, you know, that the, that the equilibrium of this case of the seesaw is, is basically really right down the middle of where I fall on this. Because part of me says that a guy who is who is as small as Kyler Murray is and gets hit as much as he gets hit, I'd be skeptical of paying him a lot of money too. Don't get me wrong. And I would also be skeptical because, you know, the last two years, as you say, you know, he has really struggled down the stretch. And this year in that playoff game, He had some of the worst moments you can see out of a quarterback. But the fact is, in 2019, when the Arizona Cardinals were coming off a three-win season and had the first pick in the NFL draft, they chose a player, Kyler Murray, who in year three was the quarterback of the team that won 11 games. He won nine uh, and 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 quarterback this team to the playoffs did not play well in the playoff game. We all saw it, but the fact is, he quarterbacked this team to play to the playoffs in year three with an increase of eight wins on the team. And just remember one thing: that in week ten of this season, say week eight to ten. If you had taken an MVP vote in the first two and a half months of this season, Kyler Murray would have gotten some votes. I'm not saying he would have won. He would have definitely gotten some votes. And so I look at this and and just say, for all the fans who would say, oh, he doesn't deserve it, he doesn't deserve it, play on the contract, I get that. And I'm not saying absolutely categorically I think he should make a jillion dollars but I probably fall into the school that I think it's not right right now with where the Cardinals have gotten in his first three years 
to make him play uh, for $5.5 million, knowing that he's going to get hit a lot, potentially hurt. I would want, if I were Kyler Murray and I was his agent, I would want that contract to be adjusted now. Oh, and I think the Cardinals will happily do it, but they're going to be closer to 30 and Burkhart's going to be closer to 60. And I don't know that the two circles of the Venn diagram are ever going to kiss. I think that's what it comes down to. So we'll see how it plays out. Let's take a break. After losing two weapons this offseason, how is Aaron Rodgers feeling about things in Green Bay? We'll take that up next here on PFT Live. When he has a problem, he confronts it. He doesn't mollycoddle it, you know, and and that is what I think he's done a good job with right now. See, the difference between Monday through Thursday for me and Friday for me is Sims could possibly accidentally articulate a word like mollycoddle and have no idea whether or not it's a word, and he gets lucky sometimes. Surgicality was his offering yesterday. We need more surgicality in the drop-back pass game. I'm not sure surgicality is a word. Uh, no. Are you saying that Chris Sims did not major in English at the University of Texas? <laughs> That's good. Very good. <laughs> uh, it was Molly Cotto a couple of weeks ago. It was malodorous earlier today. I almost had to stop the proceedings to give you an appreciation of malodorous. Uh, and uh, who knows? Who knows what SAT word Peter is going to have next? But I love it. I appreciate it, and I encourage it. All right. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would encourage the Packers to go out and find some receivers. Last week it was Devontae Adams. Now it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. My biggest critique at the Packers management, based on what happened last week, is how do you not get Valdez-Scantling re-signed before you trade Devontae Adams, right? Get, get, keep one of these guys around. Right now your top receiver is Randall Cobb. More than a decade after he entered the NFL, the guy that you didn't even have around, you just went back and got him because Rodgers wanted him. How, how do they fill this void, Peter? And uh, I just, I, you know, a point that Sims and I agree on, I'd be curious about your thoughts on this. Even though Tyree Kill is better than Devontae Adams, Sims and I agree on that, and you may disagree, but we, we look at it this way. Hill's better than Adams, but we feel better about the Chiefs without Hill than we feel about the Packers without Adams. Because we got more faith in the Chiefs to reload than we have in the Packers to reload, if that makes any sense. Well, I think you also have more faith in uh, in Kansas City right now with uh, a tight end like Kelsey, with a wide receiver like Smith-Schuster, uh, and now with Valdez Scantling. Uh, you feel a little bit better and, and McCole Hardman than you do where the Green Bay Packers are. But Mike, I would just say this. The Green Bay Packers now have four picks in the top 60. And I think they're going to do one of two things. First of all, make a list right now of all of the veteran receivers who are maybe a year or so away from either demanding a new contract or their agents are making noise about about getting some sort of new contract, redoing the deal, whatever. Make a list of all those guys. And in my opinion, I bet Brian Gutekunst right now has a list. There's maybe 20 players on that list. And I would just bet right now, and I'm going to use one as an example. Okay, let's just say 
that uh, DK Metcalf might be, you might be able to pry him away from Seattle. Okay. I would bet right now that the Green Bay Packers have a list of 20 receivers right now. And they might, I mean, one of them might be like Jarvis Landry, who is available. But all these other guys, veteran receivers who are really good, who you might be able to trade for and do a significantly lesser deal than you would have had to do with Devontae Adams. Now, look, the receiver market is out of control now. When Christian Kirk is getting 17, you're not getting DK Metcalf for less than 20. Do you value him as a $20 million receiver? <clears throat> and my feeling is right now, look at the veteran receivers in the league, and I would bet that Gutekunst, before the draft, is going to try to acquire one of those. That's one. He's going to do one of two things. The second thing he's going to do, in my opinion, is draft two receivers. And and my feeling is right now, and especially I said earlier in the show, Devontae Adams was the 53rd pick in the draft. You can look at the landscape in the NFL and see guys like Devontae Adams and, and Terry McLaurin and Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, who've all been picked beyond the first round, A.J. Brown. And my only point on this is, if they have to take two receivers in the first 60, let's just say, then I think they'll do it. Because my feeling is, and it's been this way all along, that Brian Gutekunst is not afraid. He's, he's not afraid of, of doing whatever it takes. And I do think that he's been in communication with Aaron Rodgers. He knows now that in order to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, you've got to keep an open line of communication. So I feel pretty confident that Rodgers knew exactly what was going on. That plus the fact that he's tight with Devontae Adams. The tension, I think, comes from understanding that if you get a DK Metcalf, he's going to want a deal like Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill. He's going to want that. So do you invest your picks and pay, Devon, or pay DK Metcalf when you know Aaron Rodgers has two years left, three at the absolute most? Is it worth the investment? They kind of went through that with Devontae Adams. Another guy that I'd keep an eye on is Chase Claypool. He's got to be miffed at the idea that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be his quarterback as he enters a critical third year of his career in Pittsburgh. And you'd at least have him for two years before you get into the franchise tag dance. And he could be a dangerous weapon in the Green Bay offense. I think Gutekunst is more inclined to draft somebody, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to try to break in a rookie because there's no guarantee. Even though we've seen a lot of great young receivers, there are still some guys who aren't working out. And there's a chance that that guy who steps out onto the practice field to work out with Aaron Rodgers for the first time, Rodgers doesn't like him. And what kind of voice does he even have in the scouting process? And I wonder, Peter, and we'll never get a straight answer to this, the Packers were never involved in Tyreek Hill. There were 12 teams that ultimately engaged Drew Rosenhaus, roughly 12, in negotiations, and the Packers were never one of them. How do you not at least explore it? If you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's decided to come back, and you've just lost his best weapon, you have another player out there, one of the few players in the NFL who actually you could say is better than Devontae Adams, how do you not at least kick tires on that? See, this fundamental 
philosophical difference between Rodgers and the team still lingers. Even though they found a way to hold it together, he said himself he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding effort, and their receiving core is now in shambles. It's Randall Cobb, it's Alan Lazard, it's Amari Rodgers, and who else? Whoever else they happen to find in the draft, unless they do pull off a trade. I kind of like this Claypool idea that just kind of popped into my head, which means it'll never happen. But that's kind of a middle ground where you have a guy who has almost shown need, he can get it done, but he's still young. They almost need to to do the sub-DK Metcalf, you know, to do below that. Because, look, I was told the one thing about the Packers, and this is the interesting thing, is... I just don't think they want to have a receiver on this team that paired with Aaron Rodgers is going to make is going to be 80 million on the cap in 2023 uh, or what, you know whatever the ridiculous number is that they they understand they have to have one ridiculous number but they don't want to have two. Claypool is a much better idea because if you trade for Claypool even though I think Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin would be loath to do that after losing Juju Smith-Schuster. James Washington is now in Dallas. Uh, I mean, you know, who's who, who are they going to put out there? But But the point I would make is get a guy who knows that he can't make big money, let's say, for another two years and sign him to four years, 60, with uh i don't pick a number with you know with 48 million guaranteed or some some such thing but that's probably a more logical thing to do to trade for a guy after his second year instead of trading for a guy who you know is is going to want a new deal today and he's going to be up in that stratosphere and here's the other reason to go for claypool you can't even give him a contract until after the regular season ends in 2022 because yeah. he doesn't have three years right. left. So you get him, you've got him on a cheap salary, and then you can pay him next year or you keep him through the end of his rookie deal, franchise tag him and trade him then when Aaron Rodgers has moved on. We need to move on. We're going to recap the week that was. We have a great draft coming up today. Not that our other drafts aren't, but I'm excited about this one. Not that I'm not excited about the others. I'll just shut up. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right now. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Nothing gets a guy's attention like $230 fully guaranteed. The Browns have a franchise quarterback. Get them settled. Get it done. I think that's the best way at least to start soothing over the public. They've had enough crap hovering over that team since 1999 when it returned to the NFL. Holy crap, Bola, Batman in the AFC. I Yeah, I mean, what are we even talking about? You're getting old, you old timer. When the Falcons say, hmm, 
Wait, okay, we'll do it. That's it. That ended it. They crossed the Rubicon. They want to have next offseason to be able to max spend and really make a move. I'm Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you very much. Hey, wait, Teddy Bridgewater? Hey, we'll take a chance. Sam Donald? We'll take a chance. Okay. Another frog to kiss. What the hell is fragile? Fragile. What the hell is fragile? Fragile. Fragile. This is fragile. Okay. Fragile. Fragile. We're suddenly at a fork. Right. In the road. Right. Uh, Fork it. Let's go. This Matt Ryan thing falls out of the sky. It's manna from heaven. Could this be Stafford and Brady? Can they be it? The problem is we got like five of those uh, stories this year. Yeah, I grew up in East Palo Alto, so being I was a Raiders fan my whole life, so it is a dream to be a Raider. This will be the best system Devontae Adams has ever been in. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers knew that Adams had been working and communicating so extensively and closely with Derek Carr. It's not tampering as long as he's not doing it with the knowledge of or at the behest of the organization. Derek Carr somehow becomes the unlikely winner. He's the George McFly that, that gets the girl away from Biff. What the hell is up with the NFL? Is it a bunch of fantasy football frat brothers sitting around coming up with these trades? It's an end of an era. I don't think we've ever seen a combination like this. It's very simple. Yeah. He'll want it so much money. They didn't want to pay it. You need one team that says F them picks, another team that says pluck them picks. This is what they do, Brett Veach and Andy Reid. They believe in their ability to draft. How many guys can they pay that top-tier market value to? The Dolphins, they were were already, in my mind, a contender. And now you add Tyree Kill. Now, this is an interesting fact from Greg Allman of The Athletic. Shaq Mason and Shaq Barrett. Shaq Mason is named Shaquille Olajuwon Mason, named after the two former NBA stars. His new teammate, Shaq Barrett, was born a year earlier in 1992, and his name is Shaquille Akeem Barrett, named after the same two players. It's just one's middle name is Akeem, and the other one's middle name is Olajuwon. But they're both named preliminarily for Shaq Shaquille O'Neal. That's uh, that's something. And they're both playing pro football on the same team. All right. Uh, Mason was traded from the Patriots to the Bucks. A lot of trades have happened, Peter. Today's draft, the most untouchable. The players who won't be traded can't be traded. And watch, one of them will be traded later today. You're up first. I'll take Josh Allen. I thought Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, said it right the other day. Basically, when he said, I'd trade me before I'd trade Josh Allen. (laughs) And look, you do not, you never even remotely consider trading a franchise player at the most important position in sports when he's as young with as much greatness ahead of him as Josh Allen. You could never, ever replace him with like value. Exact same mindset in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. They refused to trade him to even entertain the possibility before they knew what he could do. When the Dolphins were ready to give up whatever. They didn't even want to hear what the Dolphins were willing to give. That's how intent they were on not trading Joe Burrow, or at least the time, the rights to Joe Burrow. After two years with Joe Burrow, they're not trading Joe Burrow, Peter. Hey, my next one is going to be Patrick Mahomes, and it's just too easy. That's like, uh, you, you know, it's like a, that's an underhand soft toss in this because I think Kansas City knows that it not only has 
its quarterback for the next decade, but it has its community leader and team leader for the next decade. And, you know, I, I remember last year being in Chiefs training camp and watching with a bunch of their uh, front or with a couple of their front office people. And one of them said to me, he's just almost too good to be true. And that's one of the reasons why he will not be traded in the foreseeable future, or I believe ever, out of Kansas City. Another guy from that division, Justin Herbert, without question. They're building the team around him. He's entering year three. They're spending money in the anticipation that they have him at that low salary this year, probably sign him to a new contract after this season. But he's the centerpiece of that team. He's the guy that allows the Chargers to maybe compete with the Rams in L.A. and with those other three pretty good teams in the AFC West. My last one will be Aaron Donald, the only non-quarterback on this list. Because if Aaron Donald plays, uh, he will play with the Rams. And I'm not saying that if next year at this time, after another year in, you know, in L.A., if he goes to Les Snead and Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff and says, I want to play one more year and I want to go home and play it in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that that's impossible. But I'm saying that absent any of those circumstances, that is my third Mr. Untouchable. And, you know, a couple of years ago, the idea that a player would even have the ability or the audacity to make that request, we would have said they're not going to do it. After everything we've seen this month, it's not all that crazy to envision Aaron Donald making the request and the Rams maybe giving into it. Uh, last one for me is Dak Prescott. Yesterday, Shereen and I were kicking around the idea of Kyler Murray for Dak Prescott, just spitballing because Kyler Murray is undefeated in his lifetime at AT&T Stadium. Yeah. He's like 10-0 and 0 now. Uh, but Dak Prescott's contract, apart from the fact that the Cowboys have been all in with him since day one, they restructured his contract earlier this year. The cap charge for trading him before June 1 would be almost $100 million. I started trying to do the math, and it's, I just quit. It's like there's no way in hell they would do it. Uh, so it, even though he's not untouchable for you know quite the same reasons as Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes, I still don't think the Cowboys would move him because they love him, but the cap charge associated with doing it would be beyond astronomical let's go ahead and take a break we'll wrap up this friday edition of pft live right after this well this year's draft is in las vegas next year's draft stays in the afc west goes to kansas city april 27 to the 29th you know, it's funny how it took so many years for the nfl to realize they could make the draft a traveling road show and attract thousands of enthusiastic fans. I still think of that scene from 2017 in Philadelphia outside of the Museum of Art. All those people and how great it looked on TV. And it's just astounding. It all happened because they had a scheduling conflict 2013-2014 at Radio City Music Hall and basically the NFL said, screw it, we'll go to a different city. And now it's as competitive, it seems, as the Super Bowl. And you can have more cities host the draft because it's springtime. You don't have to worry about weather issues. It can go everywhere, and it looks like it will go everywhere at one time or another, Peter. The interesting thing now is that as we've watched the AFC West get enriched to the point that 
it's, you know, the NFL went to eight 14 divisions in 2002. There has never been, ever in those 20 years, a division as strong as this year's AFC West. And the AFC West owns the draft, too. You know, this year, Vegas. Next year, Kansas City. Uh, and, and that's what hit me first. But the other thing that hit me is I really want the draft before I die to be in two places. One, Canton, Ohio. Two, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Those are the places that, to me, if you are going to go everywhere, make the Cleveland-Canton thing a marriage there and have the draft at least one day at the 50-yard line of Tom Benson Stadium in Canton. Have it on the doorstep of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I've always thought the NFL needs to celebrate the Hall of Fame a little bit more than it does. I'm surprised it hasn't been at Lambeau Field yet. It feels like that is coming. And again, Lambeau Field in late April, tundra not quite as frozen. One last thing I want to mention before we go. I keep getting emails from people about this idea that Tom Brady may still end up in Miami. He's not going to Miami this year. He's already recruited like umpteen guys to either come to Tampa or stay in Tampa. That would be the ultimate heel turn, Peter. If Tom Brady gets all those guys to sign, he says, see you suckers, I'm going to Miami. Maybe next year, but not this year. I don't see it at all. I think the last football he'll play is for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see. The future is, future is uncertain, but I think he finishes with the Bucks this year or next year. We'll see. The second annual 40-day retirement of Tom Brady coming in 2023. That's it for now. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you at 5 o'clock Eastern for PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.